0: Warning, this podcast contains adult language and mature content that is not suitable for younger or more sensitive listeners. You You have been been warned. Welcome back, Spooky Nation, to the fanciful and terrifying depiction of a slow descent into insanity this spooky show.
1: Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go mad staring at the sea. <laughs> I'm just gonna shake my fist at a cloud.
2: <laughs> Get off my lawn,
0: cloud. In case you uh, don't know who we are, <laughs> we are your hosts and personal lobotomy consultants, the Ghoul Babes. I laugh as hearses go by. I'm Lauren.
2: First of all, never trust a guy named Herman. Second, hi, I'm Jade. Hi. Hi.
1: <laughs> and I'm the fine line between accidental and premeditated. I'm Vivian. <laughs> and and guys, guys, listen. We never should have taken him home. Oh, oh no. Oh no. Oh, did we lock the doors?
3: Uh guys, I'm <gasps> already in the house. <laughs>
1: I'm
3: in Jeez. the same room with you? Jesus. Ah! Right now.
1: Ah! Social
0: distancing, go away. <laughs> we practice social distancing in this house, Six next sir. feet God God, when did you get here? Damn, don't do that shit. And you guessed it. Quincy is back again. Hi guys. Apparently the plan to leave him back in Antioch, California was a poorly thought out plan because the demons just flat out brought him back in a busted ass shopping cart.
2: Damn. So disappointing really looking forward to a new shopping cart (laughs)
1: right (laughs) so what do we do now wait 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 Lauren's right home was a bad idea but you know where isn't a bad idea where the murder castle
3: isn't that the name of the new escape room uh, place right on No, no,
1: no no no
0: maybe but no no what Vivian means is we put
2: you up in a hotel lock you in an airtight room, and gas you to death. Then, then, we strip off your flesh and sell your skeleton to a medical
1: school. Sound good? I don't care. That's what's happening. Yep. (laughs) Decided. Decided. So, as you may have gathered, our subject this week is the man who was once called the arch fiend of his age and America's first serial killer. Of course, we are talking about Herman W. Mudgett, or as history perhaps best knows him, H.H. Holmes. Before his ultimate arrest and capture for murder, Holmes seemed to lead a rather felonious existence as mostly a con man. But how does a man like Holmes, apparently driven by the demons of greed and ambition, begin? Luckily for you, he told us. In his own words.
4: Come with me, if you will, to a tiny, quiet New England village, nestling among the picturesquely rugged hills of New Hampshire. This little hamlet has for over a century been known as Gilminton Academy. Here in the year 1861, I, Herman W. Mudgett, the author of these pages, was born.
0: Herman Webster Mudgett was born in Gilminton, New Hampshire on May 16th, 1861. His parents, Levi Horton Mudgett and Theodate Page Price were independently wealthy, and both directly descended from the first English immigrants in the area. Mudgett had an older sister named Ellen, an older brother named Henry, and a younger sister named Mary. His father worked as a farmer, trader, and even a house painter, and he and his wife were devout Methodists, insisting all of the children meticulously completed their religious studies. I would find that irritating it seemed to be the par for the course at the time though a little bit so basically they were just a normal family yeah pretty much is what that sounds like to me Mm -hmm. for the time yes (laughs) his parents were very strict instilling in mudget a hard-working ambitious attitude as well as a drive to learn there were accounts of bullying when he was a child as his classmates were quite jealous of how well mudget did in school story of my fucking life yeah tell me about it
1: (laughs) you're smart I'm smart. i'm gonna hit you for it and shoot staplesers out of my mouth at you Wait, that happened. Ryland he shoot staplers out of your mouth. <laughs> staples. He used to bend staples in his and spit them. What the Why? fuck? What kind of sociopath? Because I don't know.
0: All right. So next episode, sociopath Ryland.
1: <laughs> and that is his real name. I won't give his last name.
3: Funny as I got bullied for being a nerd too. My grades
0: sucked. <laughs> Different kind of nerd. Yeah. Isn't that like the, the difference between a geek and a nerd kind of thing? I, I think they're interchangeable so. nowadays, but I think like geeks were really good in school and nerds were into like pop culture like stuff.
1: Like into Dungeons and Dragons and fucking Magic the Gathering and would play red. it at lunch with red their red. friends. <laughs> see, and they I, talk I, like I, this <laughs> <laughs> because they have 20-sided dice that they roll to do um, things like initiative.
3: Reminder, this is coming time. from someone that has 25, 20-sided dice at home.
1: I mean, I do have them. I I also have a plus one mace, so Me it's too. kind of awesome. <laughs> I just don't even know. And I also have an invisibility cloak, so, you know. <laughs> she could be anywhere.
0: Anywhere, people. Anywhere. <laughs> Without the cloak. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. Technically, you could be anywhere. They would just see you.
2: <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. I couldn't help but snicker when you had said that, like, his parents were instilling a hardworking, ambitious mm-hmm. attitude towards him considering what he grows up to be yeah. right he like, was very ambitious so way this go, was theodate. your fault
0: <laughs> way to go levi and theodate those Which are some I names i would have <laughs> just gone by theo like i mean don't that's... call me theodate i don't know theo
1: just theo thanks <laughs> there's no win that's not a win-win that's or not just a win go for by anyone. your middle name yeah just go by Paige. Just yeah, drop Paige the great. first name entirely Paige is great page price Page Price. I don't
3: know. It was still talking of the 1800s. You know, Page is kind of a witchy name. She has to be careful. Oh, that's
0: true. true. Oh, that's true. Shit. That's also true. At least it wasn't Sarah or Mary. Mm. He had a sister named Mary, though. Mm. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying like I was saying, there were accounts of bullying when he was a child. Classmates were very jealous of how he did in school. When his classmates discovered that he had a fear of doctors, they dragged him kicking and screaming to the town doctor's office and forced him to stand in front of a human skeleton. Because apparently everybody back in the 1800s is just a sociopathic just a
2: freak. It's a laugh riot. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, Cable hadn't been invented. and There was no informative murder porn.
2: Oh, yeah, good hey, point. Yeah. What did they say to the doctor? Hey... Our friend's scared of skeletons. We want to put him in front of one. <laughs> they
0: just came walking into the office with a kid kicking and screaming. To,
2: this doesn't concern you. Hey. <laughs> We're taking room one.
1: <laughs> the usual? Yes, the usual. Because <laughs> apparently we do this a lot. <laughs> All right, lock the door when you're done.
0: <laughs> He's just, what? Oh, you damn kids. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they dragged him to stand in front of a human skeleton because they're fucking crazy. Uh Mudget was, of course, afraid at first, citing that the skeleton seemed to have its arms outstretched and reaching for him. But later in his life he mentioned that this was the experience that exercised his fears of death, and perhaps even kick-started his unhealthy obsession with death.
1: So strike two. Strike two. Parents were strike one, instilling him a hard-working, ambitious attitude, and strike two, <laughs> standing in front of a skeleton till he wasn't afraid of it anymore.
0: To be fair. Good show. <laughs> To be fair, the parents instilling a hardworking, ambitious attitude isn't bad parenting. It's just.
2: It's great parenting. They just did it too well. They
0: <laughs> just did it too well. They need
2: to go back to normal 1800 parents and just be shit.
0: God damn it, Levi and <laughs> Theodate. Why couldn't you have been shit parents? <laughs> so at the age of 16, he graduated from high school and took several teaching jobs in Gilmanton and the nearby town of Alton. First of all, could you imagine a 16-year-old teaching your fucking class? Like, That's Imagine insane. you're in high school and a 16-year-old comes walking in like, Hi, I'm going to be your teacher. And you're like... I'd be like, get the
1: fuck out, Doogie Howser.
0: What the <laughs> fuck is this?
2: <laughs> Granted, high school at this time is like 12. That's also yeah, very so... true,
0: yeah. But I'm just imagining nowadays, like, hi, I'm going to be your teacher. And I'm just like, huh, bet. <laughs> bet,
2: bitch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> fucking bet. So on July 4th, 1878, Herman married Clara Lovering in Alton. The couple had a son, Robert Levering Mudgett, born on February 3, 1880. In an attempt to continue his education, Mudgett enrolled in the University of Vermont, however, he didn't find the school much to his liking. He left after only one year and instead enrolled in the University of Michigan's Department of Medicine and Surgery in 1882. While enrolled, he worked in the anatomy lab under Professor Herdman, the chief anatomy instructor. He had also apprenticed with Dr. Nahum White, an advocate of human dissection. I mean, are alarm bells going off at all here? I mean,
1: yeah, his classmates even said that they were like, we're a little
0: concerned about this guy. He's kind
1: of weird. (laughs) That he was, like, unnaturally obsessed with, like, I'm going to help the teacher after class, guys. (laughs) You guys, look what I'm going to do. And, like, supposedly he took part of a foot at one point (laughs) from, like, a child's cadaver Uh in, like, lab and, like, took it. And, like, just took it with him. And it was, like, they were like, yeah, this guy's... Just complete bumfuckery because, like, the, the students were like, Do you see what's happening here? Like, then the teachers were like,
0: Meh. I mean, maybe he took he's it, he's to just to... a really
1: good student, and it's like,
2: mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. He's getting extra credit, maybe he
0: took it to turn it into a keychain or something. Maybe lucky maybe children's foot, good luck,
2: <laughs> lucky children's foot, <laughs> only
0: if it's the left one. Only if it's the left one, that's true. So we'd have to look into that and be like, was it the left or the right one he took? And historians are going to look at us like, excuse me? Like,
1: excuse you? (laughs) It matters. It It matters. For luck. For science.
0: Lucky children's foot. Available at our shop. It's
1: not available (laughs) at our shop. We don't (laughs) want to get arrested. No.
0: (laughs) Later on in his life, he admitted to stealing several cadavers from the lab at this time. Not just the
1: feet. Not just the feet.
0: Full-blown bodies. Yes. Yes. He disfigured them and tried to claim that they had died in accidents in an attempt to collect insurance money. But we'll hear more about his con artistry a little later, dear listeners. In 1884, he had graduated. He graduated med- medical school after only 2 years. Sorry, I'm so fucking excited about 2 years of medical school. Yeah, isn't it usually like 8? <laughs> it is, yeah. but bare
2: minimum yeah. between 8 and 12 typically. Yeah. yeah
0: like jesus christ back then i guess you know everyone was sick all the time and it was just kind of well you got ghosts in
1: your blood you should do cocaine about it (laughs) you should do cocaine about it
2: (laughs) you have a cut well you're just gonna die go home make your will yeah Yeah. say goodbye to your loved ones
0: (laughs) hope you have all your affairs in order (laughs) that's also one thing that sets him apart from most serial killers he furthered his education and actually finished medical school Typically, most serial killers tend not to finish their higher education. Like Ted Bundy, he never did finish
1: law school. Yeah, most of them because they either get bored Mm -hmm. um, or they just think they're, you know, they're so advanced that they don't need it. Yeah, they're above it. They're... I don't need to be here. i'm wasting my time here i could be killing people right now and i'm wasting my time in this class (laughs) i could teach this class you can't teach that class i definitely
3: think what (laughs) he went to school with helped with that probably being with cadavers and everything probably he was interested in it
1: and that's what kept him there oh yeah for damn
2: sure whereas with bundy like it was law school so it's not like you know
0: (sighs) Mm -hmm. which at this point it's not weird yet because it's it's I mean, stealing a children child's foot. That's pretty weird. That's pretty and that's weird. weird. I and mean,
2: corpses for insurance money is let's also... take that part out of it. But I
0: mean, <laughs> having just kind of like an interest and then furthering your education as such and becoming a doctor. No, totally not weird. Just a little offbeat, I, I guess. mean, it's one of those
1: where <laughs> it's like if he had gone a different way, I guess, and hadn't been like a sociopath like he probably could have been a really good doctor
0: right they say actually a a lot of the quotes that i've heard is uh the way he was brought up and his attitude and his ambition if he wasn't such a sociopath he would have been a great man
3: there's one thing i want to look back on either he's a genius for this or he's just extra weird for it they got married on the fourth of july when they're americans so either he's a genius because he went I'll never forget that date. (laughs) Or he's insane because he went, let's have our wedding on the 4th of July.
1: (laughs) We don't have to pay for fireworks. (laughs) These are all for you, honey.
0: All for you. (laughs) Not for America.
1: America? Who's that? Never heard of the bitch.
2: Never heard of her. (laughs) Who's she? Maybe he was just trying to be like coyly romantic and be like, when I kissed you, there was fireworks. Well, no shit,
0: Sherlock. Oh, my God. Holmes. (laughs) But
3: oh. <laughs> Yeah, turn your mics off, yeah.
0: <laughs> Why? That was good. <laughs> also, that's where he supposedly got his name from. Cool. Cool little tidbit there. So, while his academic life was fruitful, his personal life was beginning to show the cracks in the armor. Eyewitnesses had claimed that they saw Mudget treat Clara rather violently. It actually got to the point to where she moved back to New Hampshire shortly before his graduation... Claiming later on that she heard very little of him after that. Yeah, he pretty much just bounced. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He basically just once she was gone, he was like, Well, I'm not gonna chase her. So bye. It's said that he abandoned his wife and child. He
1: <laughs> did try to divorce her at one point, but it was thrown out of court.
0: Oh, yeah. It's also very true. <laughs> so Mudgett's character began to slowly change from mild mannered intellectual to a man that was followed by
1: trouble everywhere he went,
0: not unlike Clark Kent. Mild-mannered Clark Kent. Yeah, I don't know (laughs) if
1: comparing H.H. Holmes to Superman is going to win us any listeners.
0: (laughs) Well, that depends on the comic you read, actually. Superman is quite sociopathic. Yeah, a
1: little bit. (laughs) Kingdom Come. There we go, yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) After graduation, he moved from state to state working various jobs, such as asylum attendant, pharmacist, and doctor. With every passing state and every different job, Mudgett was steadily perfecting his con artistry, preparing himself for a life of crime. Again, more details on that later. In 1886, in order to elude former acquaintances who had attempted to put a stop to his acts, he decided to change his name to Dr. Henry Howard Holmes. And thus, H.H. Holmes was born.
1: Dun, dun, dun! Dramatic sting! Where's
0: my piano player? Where is my fucking piano player?
1: (laughs) We ask for this every single time. I ask for so little. (laughs) And still get nothing. And get nothing. (laughs) So now a word from our sponsor. Quarantine got you down? Being shut in making you feel shut out? Are you suffering from serious stay-at-home stagnation? Well, why not make the most of it by checking out all the cool audiobooks that are available on audible.com? There's hours of subjects to keep you entertained. We prefer books on serial killers and true crime, but there's so much more. Use our exclusive link, www.audible.com backslash this spooky show, to get your free trial started now, and you'll get a free audiobook of your choice. Maybe the zombie survival guide. Because you never know when that may come in handy. Hint, hint.
4: Hmm.
1: Just saying. (coughs) Yeah. Oh, God. Corona. With the way shit's going. Oh, God. She just coughed. Oh, God. We're all going to die.
0: Aw, man. (laughs) This is a sealed room. Aw,
1: damn it. (laughs) So that is www.audible.com slash the spooky show. And now, back to our show.
2: Like Lauren said, if conning was an Olympic sport, Holmes would have gotten a gold medal. But using cadavers for insurance fraud was child's play Ooh! sometimes literally he took a foot Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) also
1: good movie child's play give this motherfucker a a foot he'll take a mile (laughs) no no
0: (laughs) we are not having the first pun be
2: by you no (laughs) too bad
0: get
1: used to it buckle up buttercups this one's gonna be fun
2: (laughs) no his biggest game started in chicago so he moved to Chicago, and in true Holmes fashion, met Murda Belknap, and married her on January twenty eighth, 1887, while still married to Clara. Like Vivian said, he had filed for divorce prior to his marriage, but it was never finalized, so he married Murda while still being married to Clara. So he's a- <laughs> yes,
0: I'm just imagining like this never happened, but I'm just imagining like if the two had met each other and she's like, "So, what holiday did you get married on?" <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. <it. laughs>
2: <laughs> I got married on January 28. The two lived together with their daughter Lucy in wilmot Illinois, but Holmes spent most of his time in Chicago for business. Ah.
1: "Quote unquote."
2: He found work at Elizabeth S. Holton's drugstore, which he later bought from Holton after her husband passed away. Holton probably would not have been too keen on selling to Holmes if she knew he was paying for the store by selling the store's fixtures and stock.
1: Well, I mean, that's (laughs) kind of counterintuitive. Yes.
2: (laughs) He's like, oh, you need a $100 a month. Okay, I'm going to go sell. (laughs) All of the grapes. I'm
1: gonna go sell all of the things in the store. Here's your money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go
0: sell all of the grapes. Here's a single grape. Here's a grape for you. Here's another grape, <laughs> a grape for here's you. Another
1: grape. Everybody gets a grape.
2: As long as that'll you pay be for it. five thousand dollars, please
0: <laughs> per that's grape. A, that's an expensive grape. Well, they're fancy grapes. grapes. Are these
1: heirloom grapes? Okay.
2: <laughs> heirloom <laughs> grapes. <laughs> sounds delicious. I mean, lying about the quality of the grapes would not surprise me. True. Um, True considering fashion. he also sold water that could quote cure the sick. So water. So he, water. Sold water. he sold water. He
1: sold water. It's just water. So he sold Aquafina. <laughs> From what I understand, No. Aquafina is awful. From my understanding
2: it,
3: it was, you know, the one thing worse than Aquafina. It was Chicago tap water.
0: Okay, wasn't it sorry, tinted? Aquafina, yeah. you're
1: better than Chicago I mean, tap water. Ba- barely. Aquafina tastes like it has a nickel in it. Yeah. I was
0: going to say, doesn't it just kind of taste like somebody, like a kid put a bunch of pennies in it and shook it up and a then like bit. strained it? Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, But isn't it, wasn't the water like kind of tinted blue? Like he added, because he did have a minor in chemistry from mm-hmm. college and he would like, he, he did know his way around chemicals, that's for sure. Like you're right, the, he did have a minor from college.
3: Their foot, at least.
1: <laughs> he did. <laughs> it you was attached what? to his diploma.
0: <laughs>
2: oh, my it God. Was, it was the tassel
0: on his, his graduation cap, cap. And he
1: flipped it over
0: <laughs> when you he graduated.
2: Could if they engraved his graduation thing on the foot? Oh, He just holds Lord.
1: it up. Ding. Ding. <laughs> um, but he was really... He actually did have a really good knack for chemistry, and apparently he added, like, a chemical to the water to slightly tint it, like, a bluish color, so people were like... Ooh, it's like magical water with Those this mineral in it. Five. and it was probably like it was like, dude, it's just a fucking ridiculous, like it was like like magnesium or something he put in it to it's like a cold quantum. Yeah,
0: I don't know I don't know. some shit. Maybe it was uh what do they call it? Not crystal Pepsi. uh Pepsi blue. <laughs> he call. created Pepsi blue.
2: we're really talking about Pepsi today. Aquafina, Pepsi blue. I love
0: Pepsi, Aquafina, though oh are you sure pepsi owns aquapina
1: yeah positive yeah they
3: oh. do i thought it was uh well, it begins with the D.
1: dasani is coke dasani oh that's yeah. coke okay. yeah that's coke yeah. yeah which also tastes like shit I like
0: dasani
2: Dasani's okay I it's better like than aquapina yeah it's good cold when it's hot it tastes like plastic this is true
0: and if anybody else wants to talk about the different tastes of water it's a real thing so come at us
1: I'm not talking about the taste of water
0: I will definitely talk to you about the taste of water Me too Because I feel very strongly about it
2: (laughs) Add us with your favorite water brands Yes (laughs) Once he had accumulated enough money Holmes purchased an empty lot across from Holton's drugstore And proceeded to abandon it It was on this land that Holmes would construct his masterpiece His murder castle
0: This land is my land This This land land is is my my land (laughs) (laughs) This all is my My land (laughs) Get off of my (laughs)
1: land
2: (laughs) Uh, Some people would ask about Holton What happened to her He claimed that she went back to see family She was never seen again So maybe killed Probably killed Not
1: confirmed There's no confirmed evidence
2: So the castle As people called it was a three-story hotel that was 162 feet long and 50 feet wide, which reading that doesn't doesn't seem that big,
0: mm-hmm. but I'm sure like standing
2: next to it, it's
3: like yeah. everything else in Chicago though. He built upward,
1: yeah, he built uh, yeah. yeah. It's just narrow.
2: It's just like when I hear yeah. 50 feet wide, I'm like, that's it seems
1: like it's small
2: for you to call it the castle.
1: I mean, other people kind of called it that after the fact, but I don't think he ever called it that.
2: Um, It did span across uh, 601 to 603 West 63rd Street, so I guess that kind of helped that it took up a whole
1: block. A whole, yeah.
2: Um, Rumor has it that the murders actually started when Holmes overheard a group of ladies saying the castle was the only thing big about him. Oh! Uh, uh, shots fired. Oh! Dick joke. <laughs> <laughs> For all of you who don't
0: know, that's a dick joke.
2: <laughs> there were no there. Just to be clear, so people don't add this to his form. There, there was not an, act, an actual rumor that I'm aware of, but yeah, I saw I the nin, I. Bleh, bleh, bleh. Bleh. I saw the inn and I took it. I,
1: that's what I she said, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>
3: For historically like accurate it. dick jokes. Go to the French Museum where they have Napoleon's dick size.
1: Is that real? Yeah, Yeah, they have his penis. Shut up. They have
3: a replica of his penis.
1: (laughs) Well, somebody has it. Like, a urologist, an American urologist bought it years ago. Gross. And it's in a box. I don't know. He's a urologist. He deals with
3: like, and even stuff, like stuff. switching it to Teens. like the male variant i don't want to own
1: anyone's bag. he owned well that's a hard thing to cut off to be fair
2: yeah you
0: kind <laughs> of have you
1: can carved. you can snip off a ween fine i don't want to own anyone's boobs oh,
2: easy ween. this
1: conversation
2: took a turn yeah, but started it with he, your dick talk. so he
1: owns it he bought it and it's in a little box and a little box <laughs> anyway <laughs> And uh, it's in a velvet, like in a like velvet lining, and it's the size like it's shriveled up, of, obviously. I mean, there's not a lot to get there, excited about. There's once not it's really, off. <laughs> really. I mean, hmm, apparently mm. there was not a lot to begin with. Um, it's like the size of like a pinky finger or like a baby carrot.
0: Okay whose pinky finger because mine are freakish yours
1: pink yours pink yours pinky yours i just had a stroke (laughs) (laughs) oh my god if it's the size of my it's little like it's like this little like dusty mummified shriveled object in a box and like he the guy that owned it i think his name's john k lassimer that owned it died a few quite a few years ago like i think maybe five or six years ago now but he like I don't know if he donated it to the Mütter Museum, if the Mütter Museum has it now, or if he just donated it to family, like a family inherited it. (laughs)
2: Could you imagine that's in your will? And to my daughter, I bequeath... Who I love very
1: much. (laughs) I bequeath a mummified peen. peen.
3: (laughs) It's a bread maker, thanks.
0: (laughs) I'm never going to look at my pinky the same way again. Thanks. Thanks. I'm never going to look at my pinky the same way again. I'm going to start calling it my Napoleon Peen. Please don't start with do that. that. Please don't do pointer, that. Thumb pointer, middle, ring, Napoleon peen. Little conquer. I
4: don't, I don't oh, like
0: this anymore. I don't either. I Too bad it's happening. I don't like this man. <laughs> I
1: don't like this ending.
2: I don't like this ending. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't the reality I wanted. So, the World's Fair Hotel, which is what he actually called the castle. Mm-hmm. Featured 51 doorways, many of which opened up to blank brick walls. There were also numerous windowless rooms and staircases that led to nowhere. Sounds like the Winchester Mansion.
0: I was just thinking that.
1: I was like, that sounds just like the Winchester Mansion. Except that was considerably less (laughs) murdery. That we know of. That we hope. I took the tour last night. Ooh. It's 40 minutes long. It's actually pretty rad. Yeah.
2: Um, but you may be wondering how did
1: these people know not know what was going on? Yes, please explain how they did not know. like I'm building a staircase, but it doesn't go anywhere. Does this seem weird to you guys? Do these <laughs> blueprints seem strange. This room calls for a room with no windows and a whole lot of gas pipes. Does that seem normal? I don't think that's normal. Is it a kitchen? Think that's I don't know normal. what he's doing. <laughs> Well, during its construction, Holmes made it
2: a habit of hiring and firing workers under false claims of incompetence to ensure that he was the only one that ever fully understood the design of the building. True.
0: Also, so he didn't have to pay them all that much, too, yeah, That, right? too. Yeah, he get out of paying people. Yeah.
1: He's a shitty person, a... Yeah.
3: And fired all these people for false claims of incompetence, but you gotta figure at least one of them was a true claim of incompetence, and then he found out Ooh, I don't have to pay if that's the case. Ooh. And, ran with Ooh, it. and just you ran gotta, with that. You gotta yeah. admit, there are some shitty contractors out there.
1: That's very true. <laughs> it's probably held true back then as well. Yeah. Well, there was one, and I'm sure you might talk about it too, where he purchased the safe, the huge bank vault. Oh, Like he purchased story. the bank vault and built the room around it. Mm-hmm. And he had, he bought the bank vault on credit and it was this huge mother of a bank vault, like an actual site, regular bank vault. And he refused to pay for it. And they were like, well, fuck you. We're going to come repossess it. And he goes, okay, well, you can take it. But if you damage any part of my building, I'm going to sue you. So they couldn't take it out because it was the room was built around it.
0: That was in the documentary that I was watching. Yeah. And this I was guy just, was
1: clever as fuck.
0: Yeah, I had to pause it. And I just sort of stopped and went, fuck, that's good. Fuck, that's... Like, you... I'm not a con artist. But, but damn, like, sir. God damn, hats
2: off to you. Like I said, gold medal. Like, this yeah. wasn't just some... Ooh, I'm gonna change my name and run away. Like, he knew how to legitimately con and scam people. The only person Holmes seemed to keep at his side was carpenter Benjamin Peitzel, but more on him later. The hotel consisted of Holmes' drugstore and other commercial shops on the bottom floor, and then two floors of death traps above. He also had a basement laboratory where corpses of his victims were dissected and stripped of their flesh. Fun.
1: Fun. Very Aww. fun. And when you call it laboratory, that just has sinister written all over it. Yeah. Nobody so. legitimately calls something if it's if it's a lab. They're like. Oh, it's a medical laboratory. And if somebody says, come to my laboratory, you know you were going to get dissected alive. Mm-hmm. Like oh, my lab. And, he was... and here's my laboratory. Yeah, like there's oh definitely a mad scientist difference there.
0: I'm totally thinking of Dexter's lab now because he's like, get out of my laboratory. Like, yep. oh
1: my God, what was Dexter up to? He was a mad scientist.
0: I mean, we only saw him like turning that one little like screw every now and then. I'm pretty sure Dexter was... I'm pretty <gasps> sure he was making a
1: death laser. Dexter, Dexter was a serial killer. Hold up. Hold up. This Hold the fucking phone. She put the threads together. I mean, he was a scientist, but not the same <laughs> She's Charlie Daying
0: right now. I am. I've got... How did I get that, that con board up so fast? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know.
2: So, chutes and dumbwaiters were specially designed and installed to send the bodies of the deceased to the basement, which housed lime and acid pits as well as two furnaces for quick and easy disposal.
0: I mean, that's probably how you sell that place once you're ready to move out. Quick and easy disposal. I mean, honestly, it's sold.
1: It's more about, you know, working, it's working smart, not working hard. Right. Yeah,
0: there you go. Work smarter, not harder. Duh.
1: It was in this
2: basement that Holmes produced educational skeletons Uh and sold them to medical buyers and universities. Yep.
1: And they never asked where he got them. No. no. (laughs) They were just like, here's a check, sir. Thank you for these skeletons that you seem to keep getting. Yeah, because
2: of his uh, prior connections with drugstores and pharmaceuticals and uh, hospitals and things, nobody really questioned where he was getting stuff. And they were more than happy to buy the bones and the organs and things like that.
0: okay because i was i was actually wondering that myself like and nobody questioned this nobody thought this was fucking weird it was also a fairly common practice
1: at the time a lot of times they were from bodies that people would steal and Uh grave rob grave rob dug up snatched you know and then so it was better to not ask where people got them. So I think that yeah. was a fairly just common be happy common just body. Like, hey, thank you. Here's your money. Goodbye.
2: <laughs> when <Well, and> I <laughs> think here, it
1: originally, possible. like, go, 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 go. <laughs> Some of his
2: uh, people, he told them that they were fake. Uh, that
1: they were real bones. Yeah,
2: that yeah. they weren't real bones.
3: Yeah, I haven't been around a lot of skeletons, but I'm pretty sure I would know the difference between real bone and fake bone. I don't know.
2: They do look pretty similar, but I guess it would just depend I
4: mean, d- on the technology at the, at the time. People,
0: yeah.
3: It's not like you're selling it to, like, you know, your next door neighbor.
0: I really think it's a lot of don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. Yeah.
3: He keeps asking me for my skeleton. I keep saying no.
0: (laughs) And I said no. Your skeleton belongs to us.
2: (laughs) Once the hotel opened, Holmes made it a condition of employment that staff take out life insurance policies that he would pay the premiums on and be the sole beneficiary That seems
1: legit, right? Right?
0: I can trust you. Mr. Murder House.
2: <laughs> he just cares about my health and wants my family murder to be taken castle. care of. Oh, sorry, Murder
0: Castle. I'm I, was, sorry, I stand corrected. Excuse
1: him. me, it's pronounced murder castle?
0: Murder You're putting
3: too much emphasis on the, uh.
0: In the uh. Was it also crepe?
1: Yes. Crepe. It was <laughs> a crepe, crepe. murder castle. <laughs> <laughs> it is French and you are pronouncing it wrong. Crepe. It's murder castle.
0: Crepe murder there were also murder towels. God damn it. God damn it.
3: <laughs> murder towels just hit you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yay! Did you bring the towel? No. God damn it! It's <laughs> a callback to episode one.
3: But at least you brought the bayonet. At
1: least, <laughs> at least you least brought the, the bayonet. fucking bayonet. You fucking waste oh, the of spirit space. What
3: the bayonet is to kill?
2: People might also be wondering, why did he do the insurance policies? You might not be wondering, it's probably pretty obvious. It's pretty obvious. Um, (laughs) In addition to his typical insurance scamming ways, Holmes hunted and selected his victims from among his employees. So, not only did he get to torment them in one of his rooms of horror, he'd also get money on the back end from their insurance
0: they say don't date your co-workers but they don't say anything about killing them so. that's true
1: they don't <laughs> say anything about murdering I'm them i'm
3: pretty sure the laws against murder cover yeah,
2: yeah. it's a gray area yeah, tomato
1: tomato, tomato murder tato i don't know <laughs> beat tato
2: <laughs> <Beat-tato. laughs> tomato <laughs> beat tato <laughs> we're just thrown back to a lot of things this episode <laughs> it's true it was a horrific win-win scenario for holmes Speaking of his victims, let's delve deeper into that, shall we? We'll be talking about three of his most popular ones, um, but he is said to have murdered at least seven that they confirmed, Nine. right? Nine. Nine that they confirmed, but he it's could have killed almost 200 people.
1: We'll get into that, too, because yeah. there's a lot there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but the ones that we do know about, I will be talking about. So, the first one was Julia Smith who was wife of Ned Connor, a jeweler in Holmes's drugstore, who was also Holmes's mistress.
1: hmm
2: mm, Yeah. He
1: wasn't that good looking. He had a habit of killing mistresses, that's for he sure. He did. That's for damn sure. I mean... Wives, not so much. Mistresses, oh yeah. Was Fair gonna game.
2: I that,
0: too. I was like, all of his wives were fine.
2: When Ned <laughs> found out about his wife's affair with his boss, he quit and moved away, leaving Smith and their daughter, Pearl, behind with Holmes. Very smart.
0: Yeah, very smart. Not that he knew.
2: No, but, you know. <laughs> Julia soon fell pregnant with Holmes's child and demanded marriage. Holmes agreed to marry Julia, but said that she had to have an abortion, which he would perform. They decided to have the abortion on Christmas Eve 1891, and instead of having an abortion as planned, Holmes murdered Smith with an overdose of chloroform and then later killed her daughter.
0: What's with him
1: in holidays? Yeah, he, just, he, he wanted to
2: make them special. Yeah. Nothing
3: says Santa land here like killing a child.
1: Yeah, Nothing, yeah. nothing says Santa land like a abortion. not going to say it. <laughs> not like an abortion and a really late term abortion.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, uh, that's awful.
0: Really?
1: I, I mean, that. six years is real late, dude. Uh, I hate that. That makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> no, this is why I'm here. <laughs> I'm on loan from hell, you guys, so yeah, just so you You're here because we
3: can't get the exorcism down, right? That's
1: true.
2: <laughs> when questioned about their whereabouts later on, Holmes claimed that they went to a family wedding in Iowa. So he was all about being like, oh, they went to go visit family for any time people questioned.
0: Yeah. I assume because, like, people would stop questioning after that. Like, oh, they're with family. It's fine.
2: Yeah, fine. and there's no way to really disprove that. Yeah, cause... right. You and can't I mean, call them. Up. You couldn't
1: call. There was no phone. There was no, you know, internet. So it wasn't like you could just like check in with somebody. They would just assume like, oh, okay, well, and then after a while, they'd just be like, I guess they died or something. Right?
0: I guess they caught the consumption.
1: And that happened a lot too. So sometimes people would just die and then you just you would never hear from them again. It was real easy to disappear back then. Yeah.
0: Also, maybe he wasn't lying. Cause like, what if they had dead relatives, you know? Like, yeah. oh, they're, they're with their relatives now.
1: Yeah. Maybe it was like, and he had a little smirk when he said it. Like,
0: oh, they're visiting
1: relatives. Hmm. He also had a slightly hey. crossed eye. So keep that in the back of your mind.
2: <laughs> oh. That makes him all the creepier mm-hmm. also makes it a wonder how he caught so many women but
1: he wasn't a bad looking dude but he was a very slight man from what i hear like he was five seven five eight so it wasn't i mean he wasn't tall and he had kind of slight strabismus in one of his eyes which makes it a little crossed mm-hmm. but i think it was just that he was like most serial killers he was charming
0: charming and didn't really seem to be a threat
1: mm-hmm. so smart charming yeah while on a business trip in Boston, Holmes met Minnie Williams, a railroad heiress. The dollar signs popped up in his eyeballs like in a Tex Avery cartoon. Yes. Cha-ching.
2: The two began dating, and through continued contact and love letters, Holmes convinced Minnie to move to Chicago and work at his hotel as his personal stenographer. Why does a hotel wor- uh, owner need a stenographer? I don't know.
1: Why not, I sure. guess. Sure.
2: To get some.
1: <laughs> yes. He was just into it. He was just yeah. looking for a secretary to fuck. Yes.
0: Like, I don't actually need a stenographer. I just need you to get my dick wet.
2: Mm-hmm. Again, <laughs>
0: gross. <laughs> I can't say that? What do you mean I can't say that? I mean, you can
2: say it. I just don't like the image of H.H. H. Holmes having sex.
0: No, me neither. There's Nothing. something about that. Yeah, Thank- thanks for that. You're welcome. <laughs> and he tries to make eye contact but barely can <laughs> well that was funny
1: because that's what a lot of the book when i was reading the book about him it's um a lot of people had just said he never made eye contact with anybody that was like a big thing like that people said over and over and over about him he never was made that he never contact. made eye contact he, a lot of times he would look at the ground so back then that was kind of like a sign of somebody being dishonest it was you know it kind of guess kind of still is for some people mm-hmm. that if you can't make eye contact with somebody you are you're doing something shady or you're like up to no good right. so people just made that distinct thing about him over and over They're like he always looked at the ground he looked everywhere else he didn't but i think maybe because he was self-conscious about his eye maybe they just that... let it go
2: they're like oh he has a wonky eye that's why. well and
1: they think maybe that's why he didn't make <laughs> eye contact with people a he was shady as fuck too but yeah at the same time they're like Maybe it was also kind of self-conscious, and that's why he didn't look at people, because to not draw attention to his crossed eye. Mm.
0: Or they just didn't think about it, because they were like, well, that eye's looking at me, so I guess it's okay. This
1: eye's looking at me, the other one's looking at the fucking tobacco machine over there. (laughs) I don't know who to fucking look at. (laughs) Hey, hey, Willy Wonky eyes, look over here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Willy Wonky You with your fucking, you don't have a chocolate factory, but you have a murder castle.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Pure
0: imagination.
1: That's what he had he really did
2: he also convinced her to transfer the deed to her property in fort worth texas to one alexander bond aka holmes that was one of his aliases
0: yes. h
2: h holmes yes <laughs> <laughs> uh, he later signed over the deed to peitzel using the alias benton t lyman holmes proposed to minnie and encouraged her to invite her sister annie to chicago When Annie arrived, Holmes began a friendship with her and gave her a personal tour of the hotel. While in his office, he requested Annie fetch a file from his office vault for him. Once inside, Holmes locked her inside and turned on the gas line that led to the vault, killing her. Minnie soon disappeared thereafter that very same night. Mm -hmm. I kept trying to find out how Minnie died because I swear I've heard it at some point.
1: Um, but I couldn't find it anywhere in the articles that I read. No so. there's no she's another one that they're like they're not really 100% sure um, she just disappeared Yeah. and there were accounts of people saying they saw her months and months after that but they were never proven Um, but her remains were never found. Mm-hmm. So
0: that's another one they can't really pin on him
1: they're pretty sure that he killed both of them because of the inheritance mm-hmm. and that you know, the, it's it's a pretty definitive trail, but they just didn't ever find her body. I know with a couple of his victims, it was like a week after they disappeared, certain medical colleges would receive full articulated skeletons. Yeah, okay. which is a little bit on the nose. Which Let's I make put two and two together. Hey, that <laughs> what better way to get rid of a body than to sell it and get rid of it? There's gonna be no evidence of the murder if you literally sell what's left of the body.
0: I mean, genius, honestly, and smart. Yeah, we were talking about that. Fucking genius.
1: Like, you don't have to worry about somebody finding a grave, somebody (laughs) finding remains. Like, nope, you sold it to a medical college, and for all they know, it's just a skeleton.
2: Yeah, they're like, oh, we got a skeleton.
0: Like, hey, somebody died of
1: natural causes, and then, you know, you got the the skeleton. skeleton. Cool.
0: This spooky show does not condone the murdering of innocents. Thank you.
1: Yes, that. (laughs) Yes, very bad. Very bad. The more you know.
4: The sight was disgusting. Yet, when I looked upon it and realized that at least $20,000 would come to me after a little further trouble. I gazed on it as a very good investment, which was about to mature.
0: By the summer of 1894, Holmes was on the run. He had left Chicago after insurance companies had come knocking, threatening to prosecute him for
1: charges of arson. Yeah, they've ca- the uh, castle caught fire Yeah, at one point and burned almost the entire upper floor. Um, which was apparently really shittily made. And <laughs> I wonder why. It was you like keep on slap... hiring and
2: firing.
0: People. Yeah, it was like
1: slapdash and it was like, you know, you could put your hand through the fucking drywall and like it was not well constructed, so it did catch fire at one point and a good portion of it burned. But everyone was pretty sure that Holmes had set it on fire himself for the insurance money.
2: Which right. knowing his prior insurance scams, probably
1: yeah. pretty, pretty pretty accurate. accurate.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: He reappeared in Fort Worth, Texas, where he had inherited property from the ill-fated Williams sisters. With both women missing, at the very least, or dead, there was no one to stop Holmes from claiming the inheritance. It was here at the intersection of modern-day Commerce Street and 2nd where he sought to construct another castle like the one in Chicago. Holmes and Peitzel were traveling together at this time, leaving Peitzel's family safely behind while the pair continued to run con games wherever they traveled, always in pursuit of the next windfall. Most of this time, they were also accompanied by Holmes's third wife, Georgiana Yoke, a rich girl who had an inheritance coming to her left by a departed uncle. Seems just his type. He's a pattern.
1: Yeah. I'm seeing a pattern oh, here. Oh, you
2: have money. Marry me. Yeah, marry exactly. Me.
1: Which, I mean, again, not illegal marriage. He's a bigamist. Yeah. Right. Exactly. She did not know that. He's a trigamist at this point. Yeah, it's no. a bi- <laughs> <laughs> I can't marry her. T- That's bigamy. No, it's bigamy. <laughs>
0: Georgiana described as a, quote, lovely blonde with eyes that almost seemed a bit too big,
1: nearly like a defect. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) They weren't, they didn't pull no punches back in Victorian times. Her eyes were were fucking buggy. They were like, dude, her eyes were fucking buggy. (laughs) But he had a crooked eye, so they were a perfect match. And that's what they, somebody said too, like in the book that I was reading, they said, like, that may be why they kind of connected a little bit because she had, like, they think that she might have had Graves' disease, which makes your eyes kind of bug out because of uh-huh. boiter mm-hmm. um and he had like a slightly crossed eye so Aww. maybe they bonded on the fact that their eyes were weird
0: wow your eyes
2: are fucked up mine too marry weird, me? marry me <laughs> if only he wasn't such a shithead yeah like that oh. could have been a cute love
1: story Have right. been cute and not so
0: much now <laughs> no. no not no. really but to just full-blown call her out like yeah her eyes were fucking
1: huge it was Nearly like a like defect, a defect. <laughs> she was pretty but bitch's eyes were big <laughs>
0: She can see me from all the way over
1: there. <laughs> she was Mothman spot <laughs> She looked like a bitch. Look, like she had Google oh, eyes. Big, like six feet apart.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but basically, she seemed oblivious to her husband's motives, even as they traveled the country scamming the whole way. So her eyes were big, but she still couldn't see. But blind as
2: fuck. <laughs> her eyes were
0: big. Her brain was small. <laughs> Georgiana's eyes are huge, but can she see why kids love Cinnamon Toast Crunch? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> you don't know those old commercials? Yes. You see, my kids yeah. love the taste of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Holmes's freedom didn't last long, though. In July, he was arrested on the charge of selling mortgaged goods in St. Louis, Missouri. Fraud was nothing new to Holmes, and he'd made a habit of it wherever his travels took him, but it was this charge that got him incarcerated for the very first time. He wasn't in jail long, but he'd been in long enough to strike up a conversation with a convict named Marion Hedgepath, who was serving a 25-year sentence for train robbery. Holmes, who was never short on ideas for fraudulent get-rich-quick schemes, had come up with a doozy. That's true.
1: Mm -hmm. He was bailed out by his wife, who had no idea what was going on. (laughs) (laughs) that's why he didn't spend long in jail why are you in in jail honey yeah and then he lied and said like oh it's weird misunderstanding and she was like okay and then paid his bail mistaken
2: identity i didn't pay a parking ticket
0: yeah
1: some weird cockamamie thing that he came up with and she was
0: like okay here's the money (laughs) i just love the irony of somebody
1: the irony irony
0: somebody with such big eyes being so fucking blind it's
1: true it's amazing they Isn't it ironic? Is oh. <laughs> Don't you think? Don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> so he concocted a plan to swindle an insurance company out of $10,000 after taking a life insurance policy out on himself and then faking his own death. This wasn't the first time that Holmes had toyed with the idea. He did had done it in his college years, you know, stealing cadavers and disfiguring them and getting money from that. All right, but this time he's the cadaver, except, you right. living. <laughs> right, yeah. It had been years ago and back in college when he'd first proposed that idea to fellow classmates, perhaps only a pipe dream back then, but they think he did do it a couple times. Right. But it was about to come to fruition. Holmes promised Hedgepath a portion of the incoming windfall in exchange for the name of a lawyer who could be trusted to be brought on board to the scheme. Hedgepath directed Holmes to a St. Louis lawyer named Jep the Howe. Howe, who was in practice with his older brother Alphonse, thought the scheme brilliant, even though Alphonse apparently had nothing to do with the whole thing, but Jephthah was like, yeah, give me them sweet money. (laughs) That's a great idea, (laughs) shit. (laughs) The bottom quickly fell out of the plan, though, when the insurance company became suspicious of Holmes' claim and refused payment. Instead of pressing the issue, Holmes picked up the plan with a different cohort, the faithful Benjamin Peitzel. Pretzel. Yes, Benjamin Pretzel. (laughs) I'm (laughs) a
2: fan of your work, Mr. Pretzel. (laughs) I do have a question. How many... Do we know how many insurance companies existed in the 1880s? He
1: the got 90s? nipped for scamming Fidelity, which is was around back then.
2: Because wow. I'm just imagining, unless he had a bunch of aliases on he did, all the insurance, and claims, he did. Okay, because I'm did. like, how did they not
1: realize he used different names everywhere he went? Basically, yeah. he had a, a dozen at least aliases, and Bright he would put cheese. them under. Yeah blast thick neck <laughs> big mcclarge huge well,
3: here for uh, just to kind of help with your question a little bit uh mutual insurance has been around since roughly 1930 uh 1935 1952 type era because Benjamin franklin helped with it sorry said i said 19. 19 i meant 17 my bad 17.
2: Yeah. yeah okay so. it was just i'm like are you scamming the same insurance company over and over and no, over he again because used- that's he, he
1: might have but he just used different names every time gotcha. it's right. not it.
3: the old world you're thinking it is we're roughly around the time of the phone being created yeah
1: we're yeah, the i
2: just i didn't realize that there were that many insurance companies back then yeah there's
1: um, some that are still existent today like no, fidelity fargo's from the old west yeah. yeah a lot of these are companies that are still in existence um Peitzel agreed to be the body in the plan, planning once again to fake a death in order for his wife to collect on a $10,000 insurance policy, which was to be split with Holmes and Howe. The plan was carefully concocted and set out to play thusly. Peitzel would set himself up as an inventor in Philadelphia under the false name B.F. Perry. He was then to be accidentally quote-unquote killed and disfigured in a tragic lab explosion, It was Holmes who was supposed to find an appropriate cadaver to fill in for Peitzel. His background as a doctor and a chemist left him with more than sufficient knowledge as to where to easily attain a body, as well as how to defigure it with chemicals, in order to make it unidentifiable with a living Peitzel. The claim would be paid, based on the found corpse, the money split, with everyone going their separate ways with enough cash to keep them going for a good while. This is not how things happened for the unfortunate Peitzel. No, no, no. Poor Peitzel. Poor pretzel, man. Poor pretzel. Instead of obtaining a body the way he was supposed to, Holmes knocked Peitzel unconscious with chloroform. He then used benzene, a highly flammable chemical, to set Peitzel's body on fire.
3: Hold up. You know this guy's got a murder castle. You know he does insurance frauds. Why are you letting him get close enough to you to use chloroform?
1: Well, (laughs) here's the tea. I'm going to get into that in just a second. Yup.
4: At last I forced myself to burn the clothing upon one side of the body smoldering the flames when they reached the flesh, and in this way produced partially successful results.
1: Holmes implied that Peitzel was alive when he set the fire. But forensic evidence would later show that chloroform had been administered after Peitzel's painful death, likely to fake a suicide, and exonerate Holmes should he have been charged with murder. Always the consummate con man, it was likely that he intended to kill Peitzel from the beginning rather than split another share of the money. The fewer conspirators, the larger share at the end. Not to mention the fact that Peitzel's alcoholism had run rampant in the past year, and perhaps Holmes worried that the many secrets that Peitzel knew about Holmes' crimes and schemes would easily slip out of drunken lips. Either way, Benjamin Peitzel was once a close confidant and crony of Holmes, but he had now become a liability and had outlived his usefulness.
2: Rude. yeah I remember one of the district attorneys I believe um had said that Holmes basically viewed Pizel as a tool to be used yeah I think that's how he viewed almost
0: everybody pretty I much mean, like we said earlier though Sociopath. his three
2: wives were totally
0: fine yeah like they lived their full lives yeah as I as mean we know of
1: he was pretty shitty to them and used them as well, but he just never murdered any of them. Right. Like he, you know, he used Georgiana to get out of jail by lying to her. He straight up abandoned his first wife and child. Mm -hmm. The second wife and child had no idea that he was doing any of this. And like, you know, she was basically fronting him money too and doing things for him. Yeah. So he used them just as much, but just not to the extent where he murdered them. Right.
0: Could also be like back then people got married and it was weird not to. So it could just be like, that, let, me, yeah. let me take a magnifying glass to the,
1: the bachelor here. Yeah, it would be <laughs> weird if thing. you didn't. Yeah. yeah, So Holmes would collect the insurance payout with the help of the genuine Peitzel corpse. He would then persuade Peitzel's unsuspecting wife into allowing three of her five children to be taken into his custody. It wouldn't have been difficult to persuade Carrie Peitzel. After all, Holmes had known the family for a good while at this point and had become quite close to them over the past few years. Alice, the second oldest daughter, would accompany Holmes first in order to identify her father's body. She would be kept away from her mother from then on. Basically, they said because she knew it was her dad for sure. Mm -hmm. So he was like, well, I can't have that getting back to the mom. So he kept her separate from her mother so she couldn't tell her that. Makes Mm -hmm. sense, yeah. Afterwards, Nellie and Howard, the next two children, would find themselves sequestered with their new benefactor on a long trip through the northern United States and into Canada. At the same time, Mrs. Peitzel was being escorted by Holmes on a parallel route. Holmes continued to lie to her about the whereabouts of her deceased husband, claiming that Benjamin was hiding out in London, as well as the whereabouts of her missing children. She would be kept a cunning distance by Holmes, for reasons which are unclear, as he already had the money from the senior Peitzel's death and had no insurance claim on any of the Peitzel children. In Detroit, just before crossing the border into Canada, mother and children would be only a few blocks apart, unbeknownst to each other.
0: That's one that I didn't didn't know about. Actually, doing my research. Oh I yeah, this was so like close.
1: this was the long con. God damn it! Alice, the eldest of the missing Peitzel children, would write her mother regularly in hopes that they would be reunited soon, as Holmes kept claiming they would be. But his true plans were far more sinister. The letters would go unanswered and Mrs. Peitzel would never see her children alive again.
4: Little Nellie followed me to the door and said, Don't forget about baby. And reaching up, kissed me goodbye and ran back to the seat again. With all truthfulness, I most earnestly state that under the circumstances, and and at this time, about 4.30 p.m., thursday october 25th i last saw these children
1: holmes would initially swear of his innocence in his memoir claiming he left the children alive and had no idea what had become of them after that later before his execution he would admit to murdering the girls alice and Nellie, by forcing them inside a large trunk and locking them in he drilled a hole in the lid and put a hose down into the hole the other end of which was attached to a gas line familiar form of execution for Holmes reminiscent of his days at the castle when he used gas to asphyxiate helpless guests. The same fate would befall Alice and Nellie. Holmes then buried their nude bodies in the cellar of the home he was renting at 16 Vincent Street in Toronto.
0: It's like asphyxiation chamber on the go. And I think I don't
1: (laughs) I mean it and I hate to play say this but it kind of makes sense that he would kill the older one because she's the only one who knew that her father was actually dead. Right. Mm -hmm. But then the other one, I don't know why. Like, I just,
0: I, if you look back at it, he really just didn't seem to have a way with kids at all. Like, no,
1: he didn't even. He, they thought he even wanted to, like, at one point, like, dissect his own kid.
0: Right. And then you point. think about like all the fucking bullshit that he went through as a little kid in school, yeah. and just seeing how mean kids could be. I, I guess. But I, I mean, there was no it.
1: there was no financial gain here, which is usually seems to be his mo. Um, so I don't know that this was kind of the question mark murder for me because it was like, okay, the one girl makes sense in the way that she's the only witness who knows for sure what happened to her dad, that you murdered him. So it makes sense to eliminate her as a witness if you're going that route. Mm-hmm. But the other kids had no, nothing in it. Unless and he-
2: it's just like he... Didn't want them to start asking questions about like where's
1: Alice Where, or or where's their dad or whatever and like where's maybe mom. Just, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that could be, but it was like yeah there was there was no financial gain here, so yeah. it was very it was very questionable.
0: Right, it could just be like well whatever I, d- I don't want them hanging around. <laughs>
1: yeah. The bodies were discovered later by Detective Frank Geyer, a police detective out of Philadelphia who had been assigned to investigate homes and to locate the missing children. Geyer wrote of the discovery, quote, "...the deeper we dug, the more horrible the odor became, and when we reached the depth of three feet, we discovered what appeared to be the bone of the forearm of a human being." Unquote. Meanwhile, Holmes was long gone with the one remaining Peitzel child, Howard. His flight took them to Indianapolis, where he rented a cottage. It was the last place that Howard Peitzel would be seen. According to reports at the time, Holmes visited a local pharmacy and purchased drugs that he used to kill the small boy. He then dismembered the child before burning his remains. Geyer would follow Holmes's trail to the rented cottage, but Holmes had yet again escaped the intrepid detective's grasp. However, bits of teeth and bone, believed to be the only remains of Howard Peitzel, were discovered in the Holmes' chimney. So it was like, dude.
0: Yeah, he's really like trying to recreate he, like, every room of his Amped up castle. his
1: fucking game, and it was like, what was the goal here? <laughs>
0: Just because. Just, just to do it.
1: <laughs> just to do it, I think, at this point, maybe, it was was the thing.
0: Like, this could be where he went into full-blown, like, Just bloodlust mode, I guess. I don't know. Yeah.
1: He's got a taste for meat now. Ah, oh, shit, we gotta put him down. Yeah. This
2: reminds <laughs> me of, um... I can't remember his name, it's gonna drive me crazy. I'll have to look it up afterwards. But there was a, um, UK killer, I believe, that did similar things, um, with his... Uh, dead bodies um, and that immediately made me think of that he would burn him outside and then he'd stash him in like the chimney or under his mm-hmm. floorboards and stuff
0: santa no <laughs> no
1: santa why <laughs> the authorities were close on holmes trail though and why you might ask well simply because of a loose end that he forgot to tie up you see he never paid Marion hedgepath the money promised to him so out of spite for being double-crossed, the felon tipped off the police to Holmes's schemes. The murderous escapade of lies and death came to an end in November 1894, when Holmes was finally apprehended in Boston, after being trailed there by the famed Pinkerton Detective Agency. Likely, he was in Boston preparing to flee the country, all the while in the company of his completely oblivious third wife, by the way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the one with the big ass eyes she can't had see shit. no idea where are we going where are we go where are we going to europe oh, oh baby you treat me so nice
1: <laughs> <laughs> and all the authorities had were suspicions outside of holding homes on an outstanding warrant for horse theft in texas so they just heard rumors of things that had happened and they still didn't know where the kids were and they were like where are the fucking kids why aren't they with you and he's like oh no. and didn't say nothing and so, all they could hold him on was that outstanding warrant. So, they didn't have any proof of anything that happened. They were like, Where is everybody? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about.
0: In hell hath no fury like a hedge path scorned.
1: True facts. <laughs> all because he didn't pay him the $500 he told him he'd give him.
0: Right. Like, that is some. That's pretty rough.
1: That's. Yeah. <laughs> that is spite. That is a loose end that should have been tied up, buddy. Meanwhile, the custodian of the murder castle informed the authorities that they had never been permitted to clean the upper floors, which seemed highly suspect to the Chicago police. They began to conduct a thorough investigation of the building over the course of the next month, and the maze of strange rooms, death chambers, and macabre details of dispatching varied victims would splash luridly across headlines and inflame the imagination of the public. The most damning evidence of all was discovered in the basement where police would find skeletal remnants of both humans and animals, soiled women's undergarments, and a wooden operating table, stained with dried blood. There was also a glass-bending furnace, quote-unquote, down there, mm-hmm. that he claimed was for doing some sort of science shit with glass, but was probably likely used to like burn remains and clothes and stuff like that. And right. Some evidence that, you know...
2: There was also a stretcher. I don't mm-hmm. know what the actual term is, but the thing that stretches your body
1: out. Like the
0: rack,
2: basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: He wanted to create a race of super giants or something. And that sounds made up, but that's legit what he was like, trying to do. Yeah, yeah, he was trying to create a race of giants.
3: Do you ever wonder what 1800s Chicago must have smelled like and no one noticed the smell Not. of him burning all these bodies? Not
1: great. Because
2: well, this was around the time of uh, Sinclair's The Jungle, right? Somewhere yeah. around there. So, it probably already smelt like gross, disgusting garbage. That it...
0: We're used to it in Chicago. Chicago. <laughs> Chicago!
1: All the while, a small, unassuming man sat in a Philadelphia jail cell waiting to stand trial. The authorities in Philadelphia had begun to try to unravel the whole of the Peitzel situation, especially the fate of the three missing children who had last been seen in Holmes' company. Holmes himself gave several conflicting accounts of the children's whereabouts, first claiming that they were hiding out with their father, then that they were actually in the company of another accomplice, but seemed unwilling to part with the truth. Besides, the attention he was getting while locked away wasn't all bad. He's like, people come to keep coming to talk to me. So, you know, right. as you know, most serial killers thrive on that sort of thing. Yeah. They thrive on attention. Exactly. So he was just like, hey, as long as you keep coming to talk to me, I'll keep telling you shit. It's mm-hmm. not true, but I'll keep telling you shit. <laughs> yeah.
0: And this is probably like everyone's imagination was probably captured at this point oh, because yeah. at the same time that this was all going on, uh, Jack the Ripper was doing some of his shit. It was
1: before that. This, this is, was before. Well, it, I thought it was Ripper, all at the Ripper, same. Ripper, Ripper was before that, a few months before.
0: Oh well, okay, not at the same time, but around Close the same enough time where, period. Where this you know is, what I mean? Well, that's, you all speak Laurenese. Well, that's
1: true, and that's it's <laughs> still going to be fresh in people's mind. Exactly. Yeah, for and people
0: sure. were like, "Oh, it's a good thing we don't have that here," and, and then, then mm-hmm, boom. Mm-hmm. So let's go talk to our own version of Jack the Ripper. Right. Well,
2: and that's why a lot of people kind of thought that he was Jack the Ripper because yeah. it was like not that long after Jack mm, stopped that he started HH and started. boom, here he is,
1: and they caught him. And it's like, oh, you sound a lot like this other guy, right? Both being like surgically inclined. Uh-huh. <laughs> Frank Geyer's quest to find the darlings of the nation was as highly publicized as the search of Holmes's castle. His discovery of their gruesome fates and their discarded remains sealed Holmes' fate, at least in the mind of the public. Geyer would write of the tragic end of his mission of discovery. Quote, All the toil, all the weary days and weeks of travel, toil and travel in the hottest months of the year, alternating between faith and hope and discouragement and despair, all were recompensed in that one moment. Unquote.
0: We were traveling in the middle of of June. It was hot outside. It was hot
1: and gross. Gosh, it
0: was just so muggy and hot. But we got him, though.
1: We got him, but the kids were dead. So that sucked.
0: I just love that. That's the part that stands out to me. Like, oh, it was so hot.
1: I mean, mean, that just kind of goes to show I mean, the kids are you. dead, but it was really hot.
0: <laughs> so feel bad for us.
1: That just kind of
3: goes to show you the shit the Pinkertons dealt with, though. That they're like, the worst part was the heat. The kid deaths don't even phase us anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like, we don't even give yeah, a shit. Isn't... It was just really fucking hot. We were, we're stupid. We
3: tweed. tweed. We shouldn't have.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's very, tweed does not breathe. It's they very should really, sweaty. They should really get Give us some police shorts. <laughs> Just give us some shorts or something.
3: All that aside, I think it'd be badass to be a Pinkerton.
1: Yeah, it's true. Yeah, you're kind of sad they're not around anymore. No, the company still exists. Oh, are they still exist? Yeah. That's cool. Well, how come we don't hear about them anymore? The ghoul babes become Pinkerton <laughs> detectives. I would totally <laughs> it's, it's, become. I mean, they detective. private
3: detectives. People don't look highly on private detectives now. That's, That's true. Yeah. But
1: whatever. Whatever. Hater's gonna hate, anyways. Henry Howard Holmes, a.k.a. Herman Webster Mudgett, was put on trial for the murder of Benjamin Peitzel and summarily confessed, but only to fraud. He insisted that Benjamin Peitzel had committed suicide, and that he was innocent in the deaths of the three Peitzel children. In true narcissistic sociopath fashion, believing that he knew the case better than anyone, Holmes would dismiss his attorney, who was charged with defending him, and instead, in a mirror of Ted Bundy some 84 years later, would defend himself in court against the charges of murder.
0: A lot of comparisons to Ted Bundy in this. Like, I mean, a little bit. Yeah, it, it's kind of as somebody who's going into the mind of a serial killer, it's kind of nice to to note all of the the similarities, mm. just to understand the mind of a serial killer a True. little bit better. It's
1: like I'm seeing a lot of parallels here. Yeah, a lot, a lot of you follow of,
2: the same crazy strand, the same arc.
0: Bundy is Holmes reincarnated. Mm, Too that's, crazy. Ooh, Too that's crazy. That. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Witness after witness would attest to the fact that it would have been impossible for Benjamin Paisel to commit suicide. The case on the downturn for Holmes, he brings his lawyers back into the case, still swearing his innocence. The mounds of evidence brought forth in the case made the jury ultimately think otherwise. Following his conviction of the crime, he would confess to 27 total murders in Chicago, Indianapolis, and Toronto, along with six attempted murders. The weight of the truth in this confession must be weighed against the very real fact that the Hearst Papers paid $7,500 at the time for his confession. Holmes gave contradictory details and accounts of his life, initially proclaiming innocence, then backtracking to say he believed himself inherently evil from birth. His facility and talent for roguery, as Gary would put it, and for being a consummate con man, makes it difficult to determine what, if any, truth can be gleaned from his statements.
0: (laughs) He's like a it's like that one dave Chappelle sketch (laughs) Uh, i've got more sense than that i wouldn't do that
1: yeah Yeah, i I remember remember doing that (laughs) i mean basically that's kind of what happened it was like i never did that i would never kill people yeah i remember killing 27 people so you know (laughs) it's not a big deal but whatever a big deal and i
2: almost murdered
1: like six people but i didn't but i didn't so like but i I still get credit like i could have and i didn't you're welcome yeah Whatever the case, it made no difference in the sentence. Judge Arnold would impose a death sentence that Holmes would be, quote, hanged by the neck until he was dead. And on May 7th, 1896, the sentence was carried out at Moyamensing Prison in Philadelphia. Until the moment of death, Holmes remained calm and amiable, even charming, as he quipped, Take your time, old man, to the executioner whose hands were trembling.
0: Oh, I was just, I was just thinking, like, God, that would work. He was really charming.
1: He was charming. That's what I was yeah. like. I was like, That's, I think, where he Hands kind of...
0: trembling. Just don't take your time, old man.
1: Just Seriously, charming I'm to the in end. no rush. <laughs> I'm in no rush for you to murder me. <laughs> the black hood was placed, and the trapdoor was opened, and Holmes quickly dropped. And in a final twist of what many might call karmic justice, while the initial force of the fall had broken his neck, and the rope had pulled so tight that it became embedded in his flesh... His heart continued to beat for nearly 15 minutes. His fingers clenching and feet dancing for several minutes after the fall, a gruesome sight which caused many witnesses who had flocked to the prison that day to see the devil get his due to turn away.
0: Oh, we're going to go and take in a hanging. That's what we do. It's like going to the movies. Oh,
1: but this is too much. But this was too... Oh, the twitching. Oh, the twitching. Oh, mm. couldn't deal with the oh, twitching. Oh, Barbara, the twitching. I can't with and the twitching.
0: <laughs> I mean, if you want to go down there and it's see hot. for yourself, he's probably still at it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, a, like a fish out of water. I don't want to watch. It's flop, disgusting. flop, flop. flop. <laughs> with such a violent end, many speculated that even after his burial, which he was buried in two feet of concrete because he was worried about people exhuming him and examining his body and stealing bits of him ironically oh, oh no oh. he was worried about people was taking worried skeleton about that yeah and, and... and taking his brain and taking his organs and doing all sorts of shady shit you know imagine I have... that weird right where would he get such an idea
0: wow takes one to
1: know one <laughs> like the absolute balls the audacity of this man I'm like, this bitch <laughs> i took other people's skeletons but no you can't you have can't mine. have mine so bury me in two feet of concrete please thank you so, even after his burial, Holmes's spirit refused to rest. And the strange string of macabre incidents that occurred not long after his death might give an observer pause. Dr. William K. Matten, a coroner's physician who had been a major witness at the trial, suddenly dropped dead of sepsis. Dr. Ashbridge, the head coroner and the trial judge who had sentenced Holmes to death, would die next in rapid order. Both were diagnosed with sudden and previously unknown deadly illnesses. Next, the superintendent of the prison where Holmes had been incarcerated committed suicide. The reason was never known. The father of one of Holmes' victims was horribly burned in a gas explosion, and the remarkably robust and healthy Detective Frank Geyer suddenly became ill. Not long after, the office of the claims manager for the insurance company that Holmes had swindled out of money caught fire and burned. Everything in the office was destroyed save for a framed copy of Holmes' arrest warrant and two portraits of the killer. And the strange incidents kept coming. Several weeks after the hanging, one of the priests who had prayed with Holmes before his execution was found dead in the yard behind his church. The coroner ruled the death as uremic poisoning, but according to temporary reports, he had been badly beaten and robbed. A few days following this mysterious death, Linford Biles, the jury foreman, was electrocuted in a bizarre accident involving the wires above his house. In the years that followed, others who had crossed paths with Holmes met violent deaths. Patrick Quinlan, the custodian of the murder castle, would commit suicide by drinking strychnine. His family claimed he was, quote, haunted for months before his death and could not sleep. Finally, Marion Hedgepath, the train robber who had turned Holmes into the authorities, had been granted a pardon for his cooperation, but his luck would run out on New Year's Eve 1910 when he and his gang were attempting to rob a saloon. As he was stuffing money into a burlap sack, a policeman wandered into the place, completely unrelated to the robbery, and shot him. Hedgepath was killed instantly.
2: You know, all the other stuff. Oh, coincidence, coincidence, coincidence. This one, it was a holiday. It was Holmes. It was him. <laughs> That's right, kids. So
0: evil triumphs.
3: <laughs> the fuck is Holmes the Calendar Man?
0: I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. There we
1: go. Evil triumphs over all. So perhaps <laughs> so perhaps in a way, Holmes was right about one thing after all.
4: I was born with the devil in me. I could not help that I was a murderer. No more than the poet can help the inspiration to sing. I was born with the evil one standing as my sponsor beside the bed where I was ushered into the world. And he has been with me since.
2: So, was H. H. Holmes indeed America's first serial killer as it's claimed? Perhaps so. Holmes himself claimed to have killed 27 people in his final confession, and some accounts of his crimes pushed the estimates into the hundreds. Unfortunately, there is no way to tell the truth of this for certain. But there are nine definite deaths linked directly to Holmes. Julia Connor and her daughter Pearl... Minnie and Nanny or Annie Williams, Emmeline Sigrent, and that of Benjamin Peitzel and his unfortunate children, and that, along with many of the strange remains and inexplicable rooms encountered at the murder castle itself, lend to a definite air of suspicion that surrounds ho- surrounds Holmes to this day. Well, that's all the time we have today. Spooky Nation, reach out to us on all social media. We are available on socials as This Spooky Show. That's us. Pretty much everywhere. Pretty much.
0: Even our website. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Which our website, if you have not checked it out, is thisspookyshow.com. Yes. It has links to our podcast as well as to our Patreon and our merch. Yes. Yes. But you should get some. It's awesome. It's pretty cool.
1: (laughs) Also a big shout out and thank you to our dear friend and fan of the show, Mike Vargovich, who performed as Dr. Holmes for this episode. If you're in town in Vegas in May, please catch him in the reprisal of the Majestic Repertory Theater immersive production, The Garden Party by Troy Hurd. And in June, they will be performing the world premiere of Clown Bar 2 by Adam Simkowitz. Information about productions and ticket prices are available at majesticrepertory.com. Also, follow them on all socials for any production information. They do a lot of very cool local theater here. A lot of it's immersive. They did the Horrorwood video production as well, so. mm,
0: which I didn't get to see, but I hear a lot of good stuff about.
1: Yeah, they're they they do good they do good work. So <laughs> go check them out.
0: Go. Go check them out immediately. Do and then it. after that, join us in two weeks when we jump back into the world of the paranormal and the supernatural with episode 20, Now Boarding Flight to Destination Unknown, Paranormal Dream Destinations. Ooh. We will be joined on that episode by our dear friends from the brand new YouTube show, Ghost Show, Paranormal Investigators Jay and Jeremiah. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a blast. Be Until a- then... Stay spooky, friends.